Awesome. Well, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, Brad Cowie led us really well through Jesus' trial before the Sanhedrin and Peter's uh, denial of Jesus. And today we want to pick this up where we left off in our series on the Gospel of Mark, looking at the, how Jesus interacts with a really hard season of life at the beginning of Mark chapter 15. So if you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, feel free to turn with me to Mark chapter 15. Uh, if not, it'll be up on the screen for you. I'll read it as well. It's a bit of a lengthy passage today, so what I want you to do as I'm reading this passage, I want you to look into, the, uh, as I'm reading, just watch for all of the ways that Jesus gets hurt. And watch for all the ways of how Jesus responds to the ways that he gets hurt as well. So let's dive in with Mark chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now, it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was a prisoner with the insurrectionists who had committed murder during the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. What do you want me to release to you, the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing that it was out of self-interest the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the, into the palace that is the praetorium and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes back on him and led him out to crucify him. And this is a really hard passage to hear. It's a really intense moment to see all of the ways that Jesus is wounded and hurt, all of the ways that he is treated so badly in the context of this particular passage. And as we've been talking about, we know who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord and God, the sovereign over all creation. All things were made by him and made for him. And in this passage, we see him brutalized and mocked and treated like he's not even worthy, worthy of any kind of consideration. But because Jesus was so committed to the will of the Father and because he loved us so intensely, he's willing to voluntarily walk through every single part of this, not sidestepping any part of the suffering or the humiliation or the danger or the damage or the harm. As we see this passage, Jesus is before Pontius Pilate, who's the Roman governor, and Pilate's job was to make sure that justice was done. And we know that Pilate doesn't believe the accusations against Jesus. He doesn't believe all the accusations. When the, cried, cr when the crowd cries out that they want Jesus crucified, Pilate says, why? What crime has he committed? He knows Jesus is entirely innocent. He knows that there's self-interest on the part of the religious leaders. He understands that this is a moment of injustice. But Pilate just caves. 
He just gives into the crowd, he just gives into the pressure, and he hands Jesus over to be crucified just to try and keep everybody else around him happy. This is a tremendous moment of injustice. And not only that, can you imagine what this moment would have felt like for Jesus? Jesus has left the wonder and the glory and the fullness of heaven to come to save and to redeem these people. He has made his home with them. He has healed them. He's delivered them. He's preached the truth to them for years. He's walked with them. And they are crying out for his blood. They're saying, we want nothing to do with this man. We don't want his authority. We don't want his rule. We don't want his kingship. Take him out and kill him and murder him. We want absolutely nothing to do with him. Can you imagine the feeling of rejection in those moments? That space of offering yourself completely, being pushed back and ridiculed and someone not wanting anything to do with you. And then Jesus is handed over to the guards and they take him and they beat him and they mock him and they spit on him and they misuse him in all kinds of ways. This is a horrendous moment of agony. Ways of just feeling powerful and ashamed and broken and humiliated and drugged down. This is an awful picture. This is a picture of humanity at our very worst. When we take the power and authority that we've been given and use it to make ourselves feel more significant or more powerful than somebody else, this is humanity at its very worst. These guards probably thought of Jesus as someone who would raise an army and kill them if he could, and so they take all of their malice on him. They don't understand that he is the king of glory, that in an instant he could speak and all things would cease to exist. They don't understand the wonder of who's before them and so they simply mock him and ridicule him as if he's not worthy of any kind of worship or adoration at all. Again, maybe you've tasted small glimpses of this. Maybe not like this. But maybe you felt injustice. Maybe you've been blamed for things that you didn't do by a teacher or by a parent or by somebody else in authority over you, and you know that sting of injustice. Maybe not like this, but maybe you've offered your heart or yourself to other people who've betrayed you, people who've pushed you back, people who've rejected you, friends who no longer want to be with you, loved ones who turn their back on you. Maybe you feel this sense of rejection and betrayal. And maybe not like this, but maybe in some way you know what it feels like to be degraded and humiliated or abused or used or damaged in some particular way. Maybe you can still so often hear the tales or the stories that someone else might say about you. Maybe you've been told so often that you're too old or you're too young or you're not smart enough or good-looking enough or interesting enough. Maybe you've seen over and over again you simply don't have what it takes to do the things that need to be done because you've been told this so often. Maybe you've been wounded in particular ways by these sorts of damaging experiences, and maybe internally you walk around with different elements of hurt and wounding in the deep places of your soul. Maybe you've been bullied or pushed aside. And when we come into contact with pain, when we experience the pain of this life and we see the magnitude of pain in the world around us, sometimes this makes it difficult for us to follow Jesus. Because sometimes we say within our hearts, if God really loved me, he wouldn't put me through this kind of pain. If God really loved me, if God really was present in the world, if he was real and if he was true, if he was the God that he says he is, the world wouldn't look like this with this kind of agony and difficulty and frustration and hardship. And when we make these comments inside of our souls, what we are thinking about is we are thinking of a distant God who lives somewhere out there, who is looking down and not really caring about the things that are going on in the world all around us. 
But in our passage today, we see a very different picture. In our passage today, we don't see a God who simply lives in unapproachable light, wrapped in unimaginable power, although he is all of that. In our passage today, we see a God who is willing to step down into the midst of our human existence, who is willing to endure the worst that humanity has to offer, who suffers right along beside us. A God who is willing to enter into our pain and take the fullness of it upon himself. The author of Hebrews describes him this way, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are and yet did not sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may find mercy and receive grace to help us in our time of need. Again, when we experience pain and hardship and difficulty, it can be so easy for us to give in to the lie that God is somehow so far removed from our experience. But our passage today will remind us and it will tell us that God comes right into the midst of it. That he's not just far away, he also knows what it feels like to be betrayed and abandoned and rejected and hurt and wounded and humiliated and abused and damaged and rejected and pushed aside and treated like he was absolutely of no account. We serve a God who has personally experienced every single part of this. All that we suffer and all the temptations that we face and he handled all of it without sin. The difference is that for you and I, I would do whatever I could typically to avoid suffering and pain and humiliation and difficulty, but Jesus does the opposite. Jesus dives right into it. He steps into it willingly on our behalf. And he gives us this beautiful invitation. He says to us, come to the throne of grace. Come boldly into the very throne room of God at the center of all existence, at the center of the universe where all power and all life and all love and all goodness and all fullness emanate. Go right to the very source boldly and confidently because we know that while he is Lord and God and holds all power and all authority, he also experiences what it is like to suffer and to be rejected and to be wounded and to feel pain. And so he invites us to bring all of ourselves into that space. We can bring our grief and our wounding. We can bring our uncertainty and all of the ways that we have been damaged and labeled, all the things that have been spoken over us over the course of time, all of the ways that we've been hurt and injured and impacted by life. And we can take all of it right into the throne room of God, knowing that he also understands what it feels like to suffer and that he will walk through all of this with us. It's a really good gift. We don't have to hold anything back. God has done and he continues to do so many great and powerful and mighty things. He walked through all of this suffering as a way to take on suffering with us. He died and gave himself fully and completely so that we could be made whole and complete. And in this day and in this time, he continues to do great things. He invites us to move forward into his presence, taking all of the ways that we've been damaged and hurt and wounded and betrayed and all of our, the things that make us upset and afraid and bring all of it right into the presence of God. The goodness and the greatness of his presence knows absolutely no boundaries. And so this morning we want to move back into a time of worship before I come back to finish the sermon. Let's just take some time just to worship and to delight in him for the greatness of who he is and what he's done. And maybe this morning you need a little bit of space to just take some time to just offer to God the ways that you feel wounded and hurt, the heaviness that you carry, 
And so in whatever way you need to respond, whether that's with a passionate experience of worship or with a quiet moment of reflection, we want to invite you just to engage with this next uh, number of songs as the band continues to lead us. Well, I don't know about you, but when I get hurt, I have a very hard time not taking it personally. You know, it just feels like it's awkwardly personal. I can find that sometimes it slips into the deep parts of my soul and begins to shape how I view and how I define myself at the core of my identity. I can see this play out in different ways. Sometimes I can see this where someone hurts me and pushes against me, says something unkind, how I can just push back really hard and really clear because I want to convince them, and maybe I want to convince me that what they're saying about me isn't really true. And other times I've seen experiences where someone hurts me or says something unkind and it just simply sinks in and I just submit to it as if this was, de- as if this was a defining part of who I am. I remember when I was growing up, I struggled with some learning disabilities in elementary school, and I remember uh, finding it really intense how much other kids would sometimes make fun of me in, my, in the classroom. I remember a really good, well-meaning teacher having a conversation with my parents where they described how they didn't really think that I would ever really be able to function fully at an academic level as an adult. And again, they were well-meaning, they were trying to do what the very best they could to prepare me and my parents for what they assumed life would look like. And I remember, like, a number of years working through this process, I just really had a hard time shaking those feelings. It took me years to break free of the idea that I was maybe a bit stupid, that I wasn't really good at school, and it wasn't until college that I was able to kind of find freedom from that and work that through. But I remember when I graduated with my master's degree and I graduated magna cum laude, I remember one of the first thoughts that ran through my mind was, now I'll show them. And it was just silly. And it was that moment of trying to push back against something that had been put on me so many decades before. But as we see in this passage, Jesus doesn't do any of this. When Jesus is accused, when he's belittled, when he's pushed back by the chief priests, accusing him of all kinds of different things, Jesus says nothing. Jesus doesn't have anything to prove. He doesn't have anything to prove to Pilate. He doesn't have anything to prove to the chief priests. He doesn't have anything to prove to himself. And neither does Jesus take these things and these accusations into his soul as if they're a defining part of who he is. Jesus is steadfast in the fullness of the truth of his identity before the Father. Jesus knows all the way through this experience that he is the one true God, that he is Lord and sovereign on high. He knows that he is the eternally beloved Son of the Father, and he knows that the Father is well pleased with him, regardless of the crowd saying that they don't want anything to do with him, that they want him crucified, that they want him done away with. Jesus understands fully the truth of who he is, and that he walks this truth out, even in the midst of tremendous hurt and tremendous unkindness being directed at him in all kinds of different ways. And so how do you handle it when you get hurt? How do you handle it when people say or do unkind things against you? Again, maybe you push back really hard and really fast because you want to make sure that they know and maybe that you know that what they're saying about you isn't really true. And again, for some of us, maybe we've lived so much of our lives trying to make up for something that happened years ago. Maybe decades later, like me, you're still trying to prove something to someone who said something about you that wasn't kind. And maybe you've built so much of your life around proving them wrong. Maybe you've built your life around accumulating a huge amount of wealth and possessions because you never want to be that person again that got made fun of in those particular ways. Maybe you've been wounded and hurt and you spend so much of your life trying to protect yourself so you will never ever get hurt in that particular kind of a way again. Maybe you spend your life pushing yourself so hard to look the way that you think you need to because of cutting comments that were made to you some time ago. 
And maybe you've built a whole life around this process of trying to prove to someone who doesn't even care and doesn't even remember the comment that you're not who they said that you were. And maybe on the flip side, you spend your whole life holding yourself back because somewhere along the line, someone told you that you weren't lovable or you weren't acceptable or you weren't enough or you weren't smart enough or you weren't good enough or you weren't attractive enough. And so you hold, you hold yourself back because you've been hurt, you think that everyone else will hurt you. And you've restricted so much of your life, unwilling to move forward and to take a risk because you don't want to get hurt in those particular ways again. The truth of this passage reminds us that Jesus has so much of a better way for us. He invites us to live our lives in the beauty and the wonder of the identity that he has given to each one of us. Again, do you know today that you are uniquely created in the image of God? Do you know that God took time and effort and space to mold and shape and craft the person that he created you to be? With your strengths and with some of your weaknesses, with your personality and with your appearance, God took delight in forming and creating you. And you know that his love for you is so rich and it's so complete, it's so abundant and it's so full that Jesus was willing to suffer and to endure all of these things and so much more just so that he could have the opportunity of space and time to live life for all of eternity with you as a part of his family. This is the depth of his love for you. And Jesus invites us to allow that to form in the very center of our being, knowing that if we are in Christ and walking with him, that we are children of God given dignity and strength and authority in his name. I mean, Jesus was never simply the victim of his circumstances, and neither are we. The Apostle Paul endured all kinds of hardship and people saying unkind things to him and doing horrendous things to him. He was rejected and pushed out over and over and over again. And as I think about Paul's life, it would have been so easy for Paul to give up. It would have been so easy for Paul to say, the people in that town tried to kill me when I talked about Jesus, or the people in this town threw me out when I talked about Jesus. I'm just not going to do that anymore. But instead, when the Apostle Paul talks about the ways that he suffered and things that he endured, he says this, Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, Jesus modeled this. Jesus lived out the truth that no matter what people were saying about him or doing to him, he knew that he was more than a conqueror. He knew that all that he was enduring would accomplish a beautiful and a glorious eternity for us and the perfect will of the Father being done all of the way down and through. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that as the presence of God lives within us, we are also more than conquerors. Because the love of God that is poured into our hearts and our lives and our souls is the defining reality of who we are. So no matter what happens in the present or the past or the future, no matter what kind of darkness comes our way, no matter what kind of things we endure or what hardship happens, we are secure in the perfect and the holistic love of God. That he holds us regardless of what takes place in the fullness of our lives. And again, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what people have said. I don't know what people have done. I don't know about the ways that you are or are being bullied. I don't know about the ways that you've been abused or hurt or what other people have said about you. I don't know about the things that you have believed about yourself or what's taken place over the full course of your life. But I know that Jesus knows all about it. 
and know that his word over your life is that you are not defined by any of these things. You are defined by the perfection of his love for you because God's opinion of you matters so much more than anyone else's opinion ever could. And this is the truth that he speaks over you, that this is the passion and the intensity with which he pursues you. But I don't want you to just to take my word for it. What I want us to do this morning is just to ask Jesus about it. So what I want you to do this morning is I want us to hold on to two realities in our minds. I want you to remember that Jesus is the sovereign Lord over all things who rules and reigns complete over everything. And he is the one who suffered and understands all the things that we go through. I want you to hold those two things together in your heart and in your mind. And I want you to think just for a moment, what are the hurts that you're carrying today? Just kind of go with what comes to mind. Don't dismiss it because it seems too small or too big. What are the hurts that you're wrestling through in this particular moment in time? And I want you to remember that Jesus understands these things, and now I want you to just talk to him about them. Tell him what happened. Tell him how you feel about it. Tell him how it continues to impact you to this moment in time. Just take a couple minutes, know that he understands, and just tell him about the hurt that you've experienced or the hurt that you're currently carrying. And now I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, are there any ways that I'm responding to this hurt in an unhealthy way? Again, for some of us, we know that we are lashing out, trying to push back against these lies. And for some of us, we have built so much of our life around trying to prove that we are not what other people said that we were. And maybe Jesus wants to point that out to you. Maybe for some of us, he wants to point out that we have simply submitted to things about us that are not really true and we are minimizing so much of the life that he has for us because we've allowed ourselves to be defined by the ways that we have been hurt. For some of us today, we are wounding and hurting others because we have been hurt. And Jesus wants to guide you to freedom from that. So just ask him, Jesus, what are the ways that I'm handling my hurt in an unhealthy way? And then as he points something out, just agree with him that it's wrong and make the choice to turn away from these things. And I want you to ask Jesus the last question. Just ask Jesus who he sees you to be. 
If you're not all of the things other people have told you, if you're not the ways that you've been wounded, who are you? If you hear anything condemning or that makes you feel ashamed, you can just disregard it. That's not the voice of Jesus. Just ask Jesus, who do you see me to be? Father, we come to you. And Lord, we are so often unaware of the ways that we have been wounded and how much it impacts us to this current moment. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us into the fullness of your truth. In your grace and for your glory, would you open our eyes to see the ways that we are living out of things that are not worthy of the life that you have called us into? Would you set our souls free? And day by day and moment by moment, would we continue to hear the voice of your spirit affirming to us that we are your children whom you love. And would you guide us into the fullness of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, this morning for some of us, we recognize that some of these things have been hanging for a long time and we've just opened up a whole can of worms. And so I want to encourage you, if there's anything that you know you need to process or talk through with someone, there'll be a number of people who will be here at the front following the service and they'd love to just pray with you and continue to journey with you in the things that God is saying to you. And as we go into this week, I want to encourage us just to go with a sense of confidence and courage and strength because we know that God loves us passionately because we know that he understands what it feels like to suffer the losses that we endure and the hardships that we walk through because we understand the depth of his care for us. And so let's go and make Jesus known to the very depths of our souls and our beings and in the lives of people all around us. May God bless you as you walk with him this week. Amen.